Welcome to the world of stand-up. Ryan Flint. Bryce Prescott. What's up, buddy? How are you? We're rolling now, by Sweet. the way. Yeah. We have, a, we, have a, we have a live studio audience, man. We sure do. Yeah. It's fun. It's fun having all of our friends here. It is. It is pretty cool. I really appreciate you, um, you know, bringing your little person, uh, best friend that showed up. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the guy, he's, he's great. He's, yeah. he's super sweet. Yep. A little loud. You can hear him breathing. But That's right. How you been, man? Good. 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 Yep. Thanks for coming on my show. Thanks for having me. I'm excited for this because it's a little bit out of... I could see this being something uncomfortable for you, or it could be just right up your alley, and you're like, thank God I got to let loose. Or we reverse it, and I make it uncomfortable for you. Oh, I don't think that's possible. Okay. All right. I have no shame. Like, in Portuguese, they say, no, saying vergonha. Like, I don't have any shame, dude. That was a little flex that I speak another language that I just did right there. Okay, yeah. You, you served a mission, right? Yeah. Where'd you go? Mexico, Monterey. Do you still keep up with your uh, Spanish? Uh, si, you si. still piqui penny? See. Si. <laughs> see. Si. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Dude, you're an interesting guy to me because you got your hands in so many things, but yet, like, on a personal level, you're just like this teddy bear. It's kind of oh, weird. I'm like, you. how is that guy go slay that world being such a sweet guy? And you're like, well, I don't just be a sweet guy. I go slay, too. Yeah. Well, it's just we all go through experiences that make us who we are. Yeah. Right? So what's on your plate right now? Like, what's your biggest, like, bandwidth sucker? Well, I, you know, the, the commercial real estate brokerage business keeps me super busy. That's, that's my core my core thing right. that, that I'm that I'm always entrenched in and we always have fun deals. We have a lot of new developments that are coming out of the ground right now. So, you know, what what's fun is those are four or five years old from the time we bought it raw land and went right. through the entitlements and the construction and design and now see seeing the concrete tilt, you know, walls up and, you know, seeing those tenants be able to 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 vision their their new headquarters or space it's that's what makes it fun that's big biz right there legacy dude. yeah so what's uh how did, how did you get into that business well i was working for my dad and uh i had i had just sold my my fitness business and uh my dad was a vendor for fedex and just down in salt lake and you know he it, it was a job that <clears throat> i basically basically was just doing special projects for him um and uh, just, you know, I wanted to do real estate. I wanted to do commercial real estate. Um, and I was going through the school and, and whatnot and just doing different things for my dad, almost like an assistant. And we had eight acres just out by the airport by his building that he needed me to sell. And so I, I, I called one of my buddies that, that was in that, that space. And, and uh, we just connected. And he, he just... Flat out asked me about halfway through the process, will you just come work for me? You're, you're awesome. You got this business. I, I think you'd kill it. Um, so I did, and I worked with him for about nine months and learned a lot of good things and learned a lot of how I didn't want to be. Um, and, uh, yeah. It seems like that, commercial real estate. just opened the door, and then I took advantage of it. It seems like commercial real estate's like an old boys club almost. Totally. Totally. It's very old school. Yeah. It's it, It's very competitive but the nice thing about commercial real estate is you know once you represent a company or a person uh at, at least at least the good ones you know you they that, stick with you yeah that's cool yeah but you gotta you gotta do your thing and you don't have other agents calling them and you know if they do and you're treating your clients good your clients will you know tell them off there was a time when i was uh in that world but not really i was uh i was a, a residential mortgage broker okay and, uh, you know, I would go out and build relationships with real estate agents and mm-hmm. the whole dance between who's referring who, what, you know. Mm-hmm. And it was it was decent and fun. But I, I remember about that industry, it, it seemed very cutthroat and I didn't like it. It yeah. seemed like there, was a, there wasn't a lot of loyalty. Yeah. And it bothered me. And here's <laughs> – the funny thing is, is that I left that industry to go work in commodities on a global level. Yeah. So it's like I didn't like the sharks and the shitheads – of real estate and mortgages. So I decided to go into like the megalodon version of that on a global scale with like these massive sharks that mm-hmm. were so, I wasted so much of my time trying to close deals in an international space. Yeah. Burned through all my money. Like it was not a fun time. Yeah. It's, it's a hard business. You know, a lot of people look at it like, Oh, you know, the X amount of deals and this money. And it's, it's not like that. Yeah. You know, it's, there were many times where, 
I would get the the text message or phone call from from my wife asking if we were going to make the mortgage. You yeah. know, and I'm I'm working twenty hour days, literally from sun up to sundown, and it's hard. But you got to grind, and it is cutthroat, and it's very old school. You know, yeah. a lot of my competitors if are are my dad's age. You know, I was I was very young yeah. for what I do, and a lot of people start in residential and kind of get their you know their feet wet, and and I I jumped right in. You, you've taken the whole social media aspect of it by the horns as well. You've incorporated that well into your brand. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, what's what's cool about social media is it's, it, it's such a good tool. It's a free tool. But uh, initially I was just posting, you know, properties and, oh, I sold this. This is for lease. And, yeah, it works. Like some people like that. But I couldn't really relate to many people. Yeah. And uh, so I just shifted gears and started talking about who I am and sharing who I am and and – and uh, giving myself permission to do that and then incorporating the real estate, which is fun. And it works, man. It I, works. I love that that's important to you. I've <laughs> You used to work with a guy named Brandon Fugel. Yeah. I remember uh, this was recent. My wife and I were thumbing through Netflix. Yeah. And there was this TV show about Skinwalker Ranch here in mm-hmm. Utah, this like yep. this haunted thing. Yep. And I see on the, the Netflix preview – this guy and they're in Utah and I'm like, is that Brandon Fugel? Yeah. So like I click on the thing and it like it's him. It's like he had bought the ranch and everything. And I started thinking about the power of branding relative to your individuality in that space and how you know this guy Brandon Fugel has taken it to the point where he's in a Netflix documentary. The way that you've been able to do the same, like you aren't in a Netflix documentary, but like mm-hmm. you've been able to be very successful with using that. Mm-hmm. And you know, to the point that you know you're launching a podcast even pretty soon mm-hmm. that is the other side of that, the personal side of it, the, yeah. that who the guy is that walks into the real estate office. Right. And uh, I, I love that sort of thing. When you, when you talk about, from a social media standpoint, a lot of people don't get this aspect. They just think they need to post certain things. Right. When you're strategic about it, you can be very, very good at getting a result. You got to post your, your story. Mm-hmm. You got to post your personal philosophy your values, your results, whether they're good or bad or both. You got to ask questions. You got to engage. Like when you do that in a certain way, basically you get to know your followers and they get to know you and it becomes yeah. like a rabid fan base. It's really effective. Yeah. And and it forms a connection and a friendship. Yeah. You know, and uh, being authentic is, it's what a lot of people have a hard time being, especially on social media. And the yeah. messages, my messages come from my personal experiences. Yeah. And uh, I write them for me, you know, and it, 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 it's not about the likes or the follows or anything like that. It's, it's a little bit about it, that. It's, uh, well, it's about the engagement. <laughs> sure. And it's, it's nice to get those messages, you know, even if it's one that I needed this today. Yeah. Um, Isn't it kind of crazy? I had this thing happen. I, I did a post about this last night and it kind of blew me away. Um, you know, you, you and I are friends off mm-hmm. mic and, yeah. you know, we've talked about some of the different challenges and successes of our lives. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've had this, uh, it's been happening more and more where, and, and I, I, I share this not to be, I'm not being braggadocious. I'm just being, I'm, I'm being real about my own experience. I've been more and more like accused of being successful mm-hmm. and seen as somebody that was worth the connection yeah. as a high value person. Right. And it's only been recently I've been like, is that really how I'm seen? Am I really seen as like that guy on the Hill that's doing the good, th- like, and it even got to a point where, like, this was a really cool experience. My daughter, uh, about a week ago, she comes downstairs and she says, um, hey, Dad, what does success mean to you? I'm like, you're fucking 13. Like, what do you, <laughs> what mm-hmm. do you care? You know, <laughs> go play on your iPad or whatever. I, of course, joking, but sure. I go, I, I thought about it and I go, well, success means to me having the time and the money to do what you want when you want. Mm-hmm. And she goes, okay, and she starts typing it on her phone. And I go, what are you doing? She goes, a friend of mine um, had to do a paper on something and she needed to ask two adults. And I told her, well, my dad's successful. I'll ask him. And to like hear my daughter reference me as successful, it was, it was a trip. Yeah. Because I've had my head down in the grind just trying to build a business and make money and have cool toys and make good friendships and just kind of be in that space. And it hadn't occurred to me at all that like that was the perception. How did that hit? It was humbling. Yeah. 
I was like, yeah, well, she she looks at me and she goes, you are successful, right? Of course. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And even last night, like, we were, um, you know, I've, I, have a, I have a great car. It's got a convertible, you know. Mm-hmm. And Ferrari. <laughs> she, uh, she's, like, been wanting me to take her to school in the Ferrari more. Yeah. And uh, yesterday, she, like, was specific. She's like, I want the top down when we go to school, Dad. And I go, okay. So I take the top down. It's morning time, you know. And we're at the stoplight waiting to school, and this guy, this old guy pulls up, and he starts talking with us with the top down, like, right next to us. I'm like, yeah. you're in your car. What are you doing? And then, you know, she gets dropped off. And, and last night I asked her, I go, why do you like doing that? I was kind of ribbing her a little bit. I'm like, why do you want to get taken? She's like, really, Dad? I go, well, yeah. She's like, because it's cool. And she's like, one of my friends looked you up, and he thinks you're a baller. I'm like, all right, there it is. You are a baller. I don't, and I don't see that. I mean, I, I do see that. Like, there's part of me that does see it. I'm not going to be that stupid guy that's like, I don't know. Like, I know that there's certain things I do right. Mm-hmm. And I know I'm funny, and I mm-hmm. know that, like, I have a certain energy about me and everything. But to, yeah. to really, f- like, have that come back to you that way unsolicited, mm-hmm. like, I wasn't asking for any of the validation. It just kind of happened. It was very, nu- very humbling. Yeah. Well, You've got to have that happen to you, yeah, too. Absolutely. You know, the, 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 and by the way, we're not being pretentious here talking like this. Like, no, this is a very no, real thing. Very real. Like, very real. I don't see myself in. I, I do in a way, but like I know the recipe. I know how fucking I fuck shit up a lot. Mm-hmm. So to have there be that sort of thing, it's just it's humbling. Well, one of the, one of the hardest things that I ever had was, uh, you know, I'm a giver. I'm yeah. I'm a customer service. I built my business on customer service, being the best best uh, out there at that. Yeah. And what I realized um, as I started to work on myself a couple of years ago is. Uh, I had a hard time receiving. Yeah. And you can't you can't give to the best of your ability without giving yourself the grace to receive. And I, I learned in all of that that my love language was words of affirmation. And I and I changed it and tweaked it a little bit. It was but people seeing me for how I see me and being acknowledged, but then having the courage that when they are giving you compliments or you do call it a deal or you do, you know, your son calls you a hero or your daughter is, is proud and calls you successful, you know, rather than an arrogant stance, it's, it's, it's humbling, but you have to acknowledge it um, because they see you in a way that you want everyone to see you because that's how you see you. But I was, I, that, 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 that's when my life completely turned around is when I started to acknowledge what was coming to me and receiving yeah. and, and it's, you know, that's the spiritual connection, you know, and it's, it just makes giving and, and helping others uh, more authentic as well. Sure. I agree with that. I, I also recognize that on a personal standpoint, the, the, I won't say the ability cause everybody has the ability to receive, but the willingness to receive. Yeah. That's a good word. It's more than, it's more than just compliments. It's about yeah. being able to even from let's, let's get all, you know, woo woo juice and, put on our hippie hats for a second. It's, it's like a universal thing when like, if I, can I receive success? Am I willing to receive financial abundance? Am I willing to receive accolades and fame? Am I willing to receive the result of the work? It's a very uh, difficult thing, especially when most people had shit that they dealt with growing up. Yes. You know, I've done a lot of work on myself and in trying to understand my behaviors and how my behaviors became my behaviors mm-hmm. and what my values are and my beliefs and things like that. And I've learned this, this thing that is very interesting. So you, I heard you say that your love language, or at least one of your love languages, is words of affirmation. Yeah. The irony is that I, I would, I actually, what I know about you, I know that's not your love language. What I know, though, is that you've never really received true validation from the people that were important to you in your life. Yeah. And so we think then when we receive words of affirmation, which is basically validation, Yes. we then think that's our love language. It's like we're so thirsty to have the people close to us be like, no, you're awesome, that we think it's a matter of love language. And it's actually a matter of like health. Yeah. Like you need that. You yeah. need to be – and this is not an external validation type of thing. And this isn't like, well – I, I read this meme. There's so many whacked out single people that are out there and they mm-hmm. have all these ideas about what life is like in relationship and they're like, well, it's a red flag if a guy needs validation. And I'm like, what the fuck? 
Yeah, no. Everybody needs to be validated. They yes. need to be seen. And they need to be known that they are being seen. But authentically. Of course. Know? Yeah, that's... And well, there's, to, well I, 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 I use those words like, there is no such thing as being seen inauthentically. Yeah. You're seen or you're not. And so the whole point of sharing this, like, I love this sort of journey because, like, as things changed for me, and I know that as they're going to change for you and, and things you've, you've shared with me, some really personal things that are really cool that's going on for you... Um, you'll start to realize the words of affirmation mean less when you start to receive the validation that you need. Yeah. So many times. And then you're just going to want to fuck all the time. It's just going to be, <laughs> it's going to be about physical touch and that's it. Sure. Sure. And that's, that's important. I, uh, you know, when somebody says, Hey, you, you're amazing. It's like, Oh, you're too nice. I used to say that all the time. Oh, you're, you're just so nice. But now when they say it to me and I believe it and I know that they mean it and it takes courage for them to say that to me. I do my best to, to acknowledge it and say, thank you. Thank you. I work really hard. Yeah. Don't, don't give the message of, oh, you have no idea what I do for you. Start showing them and telling them what you do for them because you're validating yourself. And it's given me kind of a, an open, more open heart to receive that love because yeah. I'm exuding it like crazy. Yeah. But I block it off and I have my gates up. And it's because the people that I want that acknowledgement from so much is it, it doesn't, it doesn't come in. And then the external people that maybe, you know, are just clients or, or, you know, sec, an arm's length friend that you don't see very much validate you. Um, there, there's like that jealousy that goes on with the people that you want that validation. Like, Oh, why do you, why do you talk about them? Why do you care so much about them? You know, why, why is it always brought up at our, at our table? It's, well, you would too, that if, and, and maybe it's 50% my fault that my guards are up. Am I, yeah. am I seeing that? But it's, it's, you know, yes, it's affirmation, but honest to goodness, it's just being seen and heard and felt and, and acknowledged. And um, you just have to reciprocate it too. Of course. You know, that's important. It's just been, it's been really, really life-changing for me that's so great man yeah because I, I feel like i can relate and i can connect with people that are vulnerable and are open up to me i can actually i can share because i was there yeah you know it's my avatar that we're talking about i i'm super grateful for it well i'll, I'll give you props on this there was a we work on your podcast together yep and this was you know a month or two ago i can't remember exactly when it was but like it was a rough day for me i was having some some uh, challenges with my wife and I didn't know how to kind of handle it. And my energy sucked and we showed up to the thing and you sensed it and you're like, Hey, let's just talk, man. We can. And you were like my friend in that moment. You were somebody that cared about me as a person, even though you have been paying me for help with what we're doing, you put that down for a second. And it was something where it allowed me to have like a third party. You know, you don't have a dog in the fight of me and my wife. You don't care. Mm -hmm. You you're looking out for both of us, you know? Mm -hmm. And because you know both of us and you're friendly with both of us. And so it, it really meant a lot to like have that moment of where like I could just like let it down because I know that something that happens to me and I, I want to get your take on this too if it happens to you, um, because of how giving we are, it makes it more difficult to receive. Mm -hmm. And on top of that, it oftentimes makes it awkward for people to want to give to us. Not that they don't want to give, but they just don't know. They're like, that guy's got everything. Why they don't know I? how. They don't know how. Yeah. And it would, they, they minimize what that would be to somebody, and so they don't do it. And then we're on the other side of it internalizing. and like, well, we don't matter. Nobody makes it. It doesn't make a difference to anybody. When there's like all this residual value and love that's being spread that we don't ever hear back about. And that's okay. Like, I'm, again, I'm not making some sort of like, please love me more. Mm -hmm. But it's a very real thing. Like, you have to handle that. Have you experienced that too? Absolutely. And, and my problem was is I didn't communicate it. I mean, the greatest, the greatest conversation was when I said, hey, I, I give you permission to love me. Yeah. I give you permission to see me. I want you to see me. Are you talking to yourself at this point? Or are you talking to I'm you? talking to my wife. Okay. I'm talking to my close relationships. I'm talking to my parents. Yeah. Right, because there's always been a guard. There's always been a push away. There's always been a, a, a scarcity feeling that they're going to hurt me. 
right? I'm working on myself so much that I'm vulnerable. I'm sensitive. And I try to be the tough guy, but what I've learned is, man, some of the toughest guys are the ones that are the most vulnerable and open and honest with themselves. And, and that's, that's been big for me and it's been big for my relationships that are close to me saying, hey, I give you permission to, to see me. I want you to see me. If you don't see me, let's communicate about it. Yeah. Right. We just, we just always stop and run. Like we talked about, you know, you read the first chapter and you close the book. Like usually there's so much hardship that goes on in that first period. You, ju- you just got to work through it. And, and, and the end will, will, you know, it's either way, whether you stay together or not, it should end up in a, in a win-win yeah, situation. I mean, that's the, that's a, that brings up an interesting perspective related to honesty within a relationship, you know. I don't, I don't fully believe any, any one person ever truly seeks to be a dishonest person, mm-hmm. even though they might omit or outright lie about certain things that are important to them. And that concept always intrigued me. It's like, well, what, what makes somebody lie? What makes me lie? Because I've lied. You know, I've had times where I was completely dishonest sure. to people really close to me right. about very important things, you know? It's like, well, what about that is? And it, it, it came to me. People are dishonest when they fear the outcome of what the truth would bring. Yeah. I was just going to say that. It's, it's not that they fear the, the truth. They fear the reaction to... The outcome, yeah. Yes, without understanding because, again, they usually put their guard up the minute that they hear anything bad. Yeah. Right? And you never get an opportunity or grace to work through it and explain yourself. And it's not that you're defending yourself. It's that you're being truthful to yourself through that person. Yeah. Right. And, and it's the, it's the, the, the reaction of the outcome. It's not the truth. Okay. So, so I have a, I have a, I have a scenario I want to poke at you because it's, I don't get this thing. Okay. You've seen the new Top Gun? I love it. It's the best movie of all time. It's so great. It's so good, man. If you don't like Top Gun, you can suck a dick. All right. Cause it's the best movie of all time. All right. I just want to make sure that's clear. Can we make a clip of that? I want to use that in promo. <laughs> all right. <laughs> so spoiler alert for Top Gun right now. We're going to talk about details. So if the, for the six of you pl- on this planet that haven't seen it, you can mute it. All right. Top Gun. Part of the, the story there is you have Maverick and the relationship that he had with Goose's son, mm-hmm. right? And we learn in the movie that Maverick had pulled Goose's or his name's Rooster in the Rooster, movie. Yeah. Uh, Mo- Rooster's Naval Academy paper, so he couldn't be in the Navy and couldn't be a pilot when he when he applied. Right, and it caused Rooster, who's played by Miles Teller, to completely resent Maverick, and he had this huge thing. And he also kind of hated him because he was he kind of bl- he blamed his dad's death on Correct. on Maverick, right, from the first Top Gun. If you haven't seen the first Top Gun, I got a question: What are you doing? Yeah. You know. Not living life. You're not. What can you give me the address of the rock you live <laughs> under? Okay. <laughs> now, so there's this whole dynamic, right? There's a scene where, towards the end, when they're getting ready to do the thing, where Maverick is, uh, or Pete, sorry, yeah. Pete Mitchell is, he's, uh, you know, in in bed postcoital with uh, Penny, you know, mm-hmm. the love yep. interest in the thing, and she's questioning him about because the part that uh, Rooster didn't know was that it was his mom that wanted. Maverick to pull his papers because he didn't want him to fly. Mm-hmm. She wanted to stop him from being a pilot. His mother, who had lost her husband, enact, like engaged her husband's best friend to do this thing that really hurt his son, mm-hmm. right? And they're talking, and he's like, she's like, why don't you tell him that? And he goes, well, he doesn't have to resent her. He can keep resenting me. He was protecting this character in the movie against the truth. Yeah. Because he didn't want it to taint how he looked at his mother. Right. And I was sitting there bothered by that. I'm like, who the fuck cares? It's true. Know that about your mother. It It's going to sting, but... And that sort of quandary, I want to get your take on that. Like, who's right in that situation? Would it be right to tell the truth about his mother? Because it then allows for the relationship to truly be based on actual understanding of what really happened or is his protection of that information the move because it allowed him to kind of maintain this sort of deification of his mom who'd passed away 
God. It could go either way. I mean, I look at it at both. both That's like a Sophie's uh, choice, yeah, right? Like you yeah. don't know. It's yeah. I look at it in both angles. You know, Maverick was a good enough friend, and uh, she she confided in him, and and he held his word. You know, maybe it it damaged his relationship with Rooster. It definitely was. You know, part of the movie that. that now we have there, to make sure we was, know these are all fictional characters. Yeah, it's that not there real. was a that there was a guard up, right? Yeah. Um, but deep down, you know, Maverick or Tom Cruise knew that Rooster was that person. Yeah. Um, Which is interesting. I mean, it, you know how yeah, the movie ends and you see the connection between the two? Like, yeah. And again, this is a, this is a movie. Yeah. There's, but the story is so good. St- but the story. So you wonder if, like, as they're reconciling and they have had this, like, they have a trauma bond now. They mm-hmm. have this life, this death experience that they both got out of. Yeah. If that, the conversation comes up to where he can now with a connective nuance, say, look, I need you to know the truth, and you can't be mad at your mother about this. Right. Yeah, and I, I, I think that that was... That, made that it, makes me think the that, truth is always more important. 100%. Stop hiding it from Rooster, bro. Yeah, but it's the way that you communicate it. So in Top Gun 3... Right? <laughs> I, and I, I think that's, that's a big takeaway uh, of this simple conversation that we're having about Top Gun is um, it's the way that you communicate it. Yeah. You know, because a lot of us communicate out of anger or fear. And those that work on themselves, um, and you just mentioned it, is I never understood why the book was closed at chapter one when we would try to communicate. It was never a fight. It was the, the I, I didn't understand that it was probably the reaction, right? And I'm the same way. And then it, and it creates contention when, geez, if you would just read the next couple of chapters, you would probably start to understand that, you know, it's, it's not Maverick's fault. It's not, it's, 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 it, I'm not mad at you. Yeah. I'm not upset at you. I'm upset with the situation because it's not working. It's not wrong or right. It either works or it doesn't. Our situation is not working. I'm not miserable because of you. I love you. I'm miserable and you're miserable because of our situation that we need to work on. Yeah. But that's what that book's all about, is you work on that situation through the book. And the, the hard part is we point fingers. So when, as, you, re- as when you reference to the book, you're, you're referencing to like the, story the story of Ryan. The story. The full story of Ryan. And yes. the first chapter in it getting closed, you're referencing you know, the dynamic in relationship and how sometimes we might not like the first chapter. And so we close the book. And the two, three, five, chapter 10 is badass, dude. And you're never going to get there. If you stop at chapter one, yeah, do I understand and, and that accurately? You're you're spot on. Okay, but you know what? Sometimes chapters eleven through thirteen might go back down, but true. because you're in alignment, this is the greatest thing. Is we will never, we don't ever have to agree on everything, but as long as we're in alignment, when we don't agree, it's okay. Isn't because it we are in alignment, and the hard trials that come in the low times of a situation. Because we're in alignment, because we see each other, it's powered through with, you know, togetherness and connection and commitment. Um, and that's, that's one thing that uh, I struggled with yeah. uh, growing up and, and uh, even in business. And it, it, it wasn't until the last couple of years that I understood that, you know, it, they don't need to like me. You know, it's like the like respect thing. But well, it becomes you. It's, you don't it's, understand it's, things. It's an alignment. Yeah. Of, well, on top of that, like what people, I, I always thought this was cliche, but it's so true. What people think of you is none of your business. Right. I, there's a, I, I learned this a long time ago, this reality in relationship that I can't make anyone happy and nobody can make me happy. However, we have an influence to make the personal choice to be happy be one that's difficult or easy. Yeah. So like in a marriage dynamic, I know I can't make my wife happy, but I can sure make it really difficult for her to choose into her own happiness right. and vice versa. Mm-hmm. And you know, with what we're talking about here, that sort of outsourcing, I think it's a, I think it's a natural thing for humans 
to want to like put that off on somebody else. For sure. Because personal accountability for your own feelings and your own results and everything is very lonely. Like when you're looking at a life that sucks and you have nobody else to blame but yourself, mm-hmm. it's stark. Yeah. Ironically, though, it's empowering because mm-hmm. you're like, okay, this is where it's at. It's all on me. Let's go. But to get that, to have that type of conversation is so rare for most people. They want to say it's because of the market or my mom was this or I can't, or my boss sucks, whatever. They have all these like excuses that again, have nothing to do with anything because they're just kind of shirking that off. Yeah. And then furthermore, in the dynamic behaviorally within relationship, like there's a, there's a, we internalize this. I know that, you know, for my wife and I, some of the biggest challenges that we've had to overcome was misunderstandings of intent. Yes. Like she would do something and I would internalize it as something that was lack inside of me. Yeah. Where I would think, oh, she doesn't, she's not attracted to me, she's not into me, she's judging this or whatever. And when we were able to get to the bottom of it, she's like, those are none of those things. I had this thing going on, and it just this. And we were so far apart based off of true misunderstandings of what the actual thing was. And one of the things that had to change for us, and it's been a beautiful thing to have this happen, is that heading into situations where like there would be that sort of discontent mm-hmm. and that dis- that dissonance the relate you know that f- it's just like eh, yeah. doesn't feel right to speak up immediately yeah and be like i'm feeling a temptation to internalize this moment to mean this about our interaction am i on point or no and just there's been so many times i can't even count where my wife will be like no you're not like this is where i'm at but it takes a certain level of honesty to be able to do that and it's vulnerable too to be like yo <laughs> I'm thinking, woman, you ain't into me right now, and it kind of hurts my feelings. Can you help me? And then have her be like, oh, yeah, that's, that's not it at all. Well, or yeah. in the case where she's like, yeah, you're being a douche. I don't want to hang out right. with you right now. Right. Like, well, at least well, I know. Thank you. You know, I, I'll, even talking to my kids, I mean, I, I refer it to, you know, a doctor is, is look, if you're, if you're feeling a certain way or you, you need to tell me, I want to help you. I love you enough to help you. Yeah. I know it's not at me, but you're blaming me. That's okay. You know, and that, that takes a, a level of maturity and working on yourself that you sure. know you, right? Sure. And that's where a lot of people kind of crumble and get depressed and anxiety and it's all my fault and I'm the worst dad and blah, blah, blah. But it's, it's, it's acknowledging that they're trying to be vulnerable with you. What I say is, look, the, only be- the best way for me to help or relate is for you to just be honest. I'm not going to get mad at all or sad with what you're going to tell me. But I'll be able to help you through it. Again, ride those chapters with you yeah. if you just you know, are open to me because they're obviously needing guidance. And you know, my son, he's eighth grade, like going through a lot of changes right now, seeing certain things. His voice is yeah. probably a little weird. His voice is cracking and you know, he's, he's, he's just getting into that, that phase of life. And sitting down with him, he sees me as the, the hero, the success, right? Mm-hmm. That nothing's wrong. Um, even though he sees me in my bad days, but it's always like, oh, my dad is just such a stud. And, and uh, it's I got to feel good. It, it does feel good. And I acknowledge it. And he's, he's such a sweetheart. But I, I sat down and I, I shared my story with him that, hey, when I was in eighth grade, let me tell you what happened to me. Let me tell you what I went through. Let me tell you who I didn't have. I didn't have the opportunity that, that you are here. So no matter what you ever tell me, I'll never get mad. Because it's, it's not you. It's that inner voice. It's that influence. You know, and, and look, buddy, if you, don't, if you don't, you know, aren't naturally a leader, then you need to be the best follower of the right leader. Yeah. Right. And maybe to me, that's maybe to him, that's me. And a, a couple of weeks ago, I, I acknowledge that because I'm always pushing him on his friends and the people he hangs out with. But why can't us as parents or uncles or, or brother-in-laws or whatever it is, be that example well, we and that, and that leader, and then give him permission to go be that leader back to isn't me. It, isn't it it's, interesting? It's that a, beautiful, man. A big part of this conversation is like, the challenge that we've had accepting the fact that we could cast. Yeah. Well, and, and it and even sounds air, like I have this twinge of like, uh, that sounds shitty to say it, but it's true. It's like being, 
I, th- I think that part of, you know, brutal honesty is being honest about the good stuff. Yeah. Be like, no, I'm, I'm killing it in this part. Yeah. Being honest with you and not in the minimization of it. Like, why do we give so much space and attention to the bad stuff? It's like, because that's society. It's so for easy. You. If somebody says, no, you're amazing and you do this right, it's a very easy move to second guess it. But if somebody calls us a piece of shit that can't do anything, we're like, oh, yeah, you know, you're right. Like, it's so much easier to believe the limiting belief. Yeah. I don't get that. Well, the world's just based on negativity. That's why there's so much, you know, anxiety and depression going on. Well, consider this. It's I don't know if you've considered terrible. this, dude. This is, this is a, I've done a lot of thinking about this. Yeah. I'm a person that believes that everything is energy, right? Yes. Things vibrate. You have, you have a vibe, bro. Like, we're yep. in a vibe. There's a feelingness, yep. Yep. right? Okay. If you look at, like, a piano, for example, and you go and you push on one of the deep, low notes. You push it once, and it'll sit there, and it'll vibrate for five, six seconds. Mm -hmm. That's a lower vibration, and it sits there, and it resonates with itself. It feeds on itself for a little bit. Mm -hmm. You go to the other end of the spectrum with the keys. You go up to the highest one, ding. It doesn't last a millisecond. If you want it to keep doing it, you got to keep hitting on it. Right. That's a high vibration. So when you look at behavior and success and manifesting and all the woo-woo hippie shit, it takes more attention to vibrate higher because it burns off quicker. Yeah. Like when you're really vibing high, it goes away quick. When you're in the funk, it sits and just resonates. Yep. To be depressed is super easy. When you sulk in it. Yeah, and it's- when you... It's it's hard to stay on a high, but it's easy to stay at a low. Yeah, hundred percent. Right? And and that's where, you know, the seven levels of energy come in. Like you be the highest, the the person with the highest energy in the room wins. It doesn't mean hyperness. Yeah. It means energy with within. It's that vibration. It's that connection. Yeah. And when people feel connected to you, they're vulnerable with you. When they feel connected with you, they trust you. When they feel connected with you. They, 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 they'll open up about you because you, you, you've worked on that. That doesn't come yeah. naturally, yeah. right? Here's another part of that that I think is, is completely overlooked because that's an, e- that's an easy thing to see and to believe. Right? Sure. Low notes vibrate, high notes, okay. But what isn't talked about is if you look at things like from a – so music is a combination of energy and vibrations that work. Yeah. Like if you've studied music theater, or music theory, you know that like a third or a fifth, those are – you have a root note, and then three steps above it is the third. And when you play a third, like on a piano, it's a pleasing sound. Mm-hmm. So you can have certain energies that aren't the same that make a good note. And then, like, for example, if you take a key on a piano and then touch the one right next to it, it sounds like shit. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. it's bad. So it's like energies play with each other differently too. Yes. And that's actually one way to raise your energy is to be around people that have both pleasing vibrational energies with you and higher vibrations because it brings you in. Well, uh, I think people are going to ask, well, how do I, how do I understand or how do I know where my energy is or where their energy is? What would you say to that? I would say um, sit in stillness and pay attention to how you feel and give attention to every every feeling every emotion every thought yeah. every thing that comes in there and you will find where you generally are in our culture with all the onslaught of all the dog shit in the media and bad messaging and and the addictive nature of social media and you know the the roulette or the 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 slot machine wheel in our head of trying to get that dopamine hit when we get the likes and the shares and all that the it's easy to lose yourself in not be present in your body. Yeah. But when you, when you are, like I've had this happen before. This happened a couple mornings ago because I've gotten in this habit um, of, like I made these lists, 100 experiences that I want to have, mm-hmm. 100 material items that I want to have. Mm-hmm. Like re- this is some upgrade stuff. I've talked about upgraded ton yeah. on this show. Yeah. Um, and I had let some time passed since I had reviewed those lists and I opened up those lists and I remembered the energy to which I wrote the fact that I wanted a private plane, that I wanted to be, you know, I, I, I wanted a massive house overlooking the beach in Newport. I wanted like all these different, like really kind of audacious goals, you know, and the energy of that, it, it, it shifted my mood immediately because I was in this place of stress and, 
and anxiety. And there was all sorts of thoughts coming in and out of my mind about life and everything. And then I had this sort of like retuning of my energy when I redid that. So the advice that I give to people, you got to, you got to be present in your body. I think meditation as a practice is something that everybody should do. Yeah. Well, and I incorporated breath work uh, starting this year. And, you know, I, I always give Shannon a shout out because Oh man, Miss Sperber. Yeah, Doc. Yeah, she's she's unbelievable. Um, you know, I I I've been through a lot personally. You yeah. know, with with it, it doesn't died, matter right? how how successful you are. Everyone has that those those moments, and I really I really had to go deep with myself. But the problem is, is in society and the way that we grow up, we you know we get hurt. It's get up, don't cry. You know, we we yeah. make a mistake. You're this is your consequence. Well, that's a that's it's, that's more directed towards men too. Like. Oh, absolutely, men men by far, right? And what I learned with her was, you know, I hadn't cried in fifteen years, not really? one tear, not not if like How's that a friend possible, would dude? die because I was I was shut off. My my it wasn't even just like a, a guard that was up. I had gates that were up and were locked, like and hopes. I never <laughs> gave them. I never gave myself permission to feel. I gave myself permission to be angry because it's easy. It's a negative vibration. Yeah. When I was happy, it was like, oh, I, I probably shouldn't be this happy, right? Rather than just enjoying the happiness and being in the moment. Doing breath work I, I, is like a journey in itself. You get completely high just on your own breath. It's, it's, it's amazing. And I encourage people that meditate to, to do it. Reach out to Shannon or, or Google it. I mean, YouTube it. There's so many different ways to do it, but it's it's what I what I did is is I gave myself permission to feel everything. Sadness, happiness, anger, fear, you know, uh, to see my vision board, to visualize it, to manifest, to cry. I lost my grandma this year and and uh, you know, she was my everything. And I had been working on breath work and the emotions that I felt it it took me into a whole different stratosphere, a different planet, a different universe in the sense of, wow, because I've allowed myself permission to feel the power that I'll be able to take from this is and, and, and help others. And honestly, it, it was so good for me and my own confidence and my own grace that I never gave myself. I feel like I have a connection with her better than you know, when she was here, yeah. um, because I feel her, I've given myself permission to feel that spirit of her. And, uh, but society make, make, makes it, and it, the problem is, you know, there's one thing what society tells you, but it's another thing that how you receive it going sure. back to the receiving, sure. right? It, it tur- always turn a negative into, into a positive, two negatives equals a positive, but a lot of times. I don't know if I believe we, in that. Well, I do. Well, let me let me let me share with you why. Because I believe I believe that we we all have a, a we're creators. Our lives are what we make of them, and there's a lot of levels to that that might seem kind of kooky, but it's very real mm-hmm. when you consider the power of your subconscious mind, yeah. the law of attraction, uh, energy work, things like that, breathing, what you're, you're bringing in. I think that we do ourselves a disservice when we create what's called a secondary gain, when we have there be a winning part of a losing endeavor. When we take something where we lost, we didn't get the thing, we didn't meet the goal, we didn't, we let somebody down, whatever, whatever it is, the negative thing, and then we attach some sort of positive, positive reaction to it. I think that subconsciously we create a culture of losing in our own mind. So we accustom ourselves then to always find the win in our loss, which makes us losers. But the problem is, is people focus on the lose. Of course. And the winners focus on the learning lesson from the loss. Hold on, but... Uh, yes, but is how I'll answer that because the part that's different as far as my experience of this is that they say, I lost, but at least I got this. And it becomes like a, a they're, they're trying to twist it into a positive. Instead of saying, because it, 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 it's semantics, it's very, very specific, but words matter. Like how we talk to ourselves matter. Mm-hmm. So if we say then, you know what, I, I shit the bet on that one. Here's the thing. Um, what I'm going to take from this is I'm going to recognize that I, I, I missed the mark there, and I have to own the fact that I missed the mark. And uh, 
there's a residual that came of this and I'm going to choose to have this experience be something that I glean from it, but I'm not connecting the two. Yeah. I'm not connecting the win to the loss because mm-hmm. what you'll create, you'll always lose. Yeah. And it's, and, but in an ironic way, you should do that when you win. Yeah. When you win, it's okay to have a secondary gain for why you won. Right. Because that then reinforces in the mind, I always win. I got DJ Khaled's song on repeat, bro. Like, all I do is win, you know, and winning and winning and winning. And when I lose, it's, it doesn't help me to say, no, nah, that was a win. It's like, no, nah, I, I lost. I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't win. Okay, next. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we, we try to, as humans, we try to find definition and reason yeah. behind our losses. And I think what I it does is it fortifies the fact that we just didn't miss the mark. And that's okay to miss the mark, but to miss the mark and then try to build it up as that we did something good because we missed the mark, that's where the connection for me doesn't yeah. work. That's when you fall fast, fail fast, and get right back up. Yeah. You know, and, and again, it's, it's a learning lesson and, and, and you learn from your wins, but you, you need to give yourself grace when you win. And a lot, sure. of, a lot of us are almost timid or scared to show that we win, right? right? It's like the flex. Well, and the it's, reason why is because it gets rejected. Like, yeah. there's been so many it's, times. There's jealousy. Yeah, I've, I've seen your comment section sometimes. Like, some people show up in a hateful way when you're describing a win. And so even though that's one Cheeto-fingered dude that's nah, nah, talking shit sure. on your thing, it's, it's truly irrelevant. Yeah, you just it feel bad for It does not matter. But in our mind, we're like, uh, and it changes our experience if we let it. That, you hit it right on the head. If we let it. Dude, one of my favorite people is a guy named Keith Yaki. He's I, awesome. I produce his podcast, Married Game. You should check it out. And he's just one of the best dudes ever. Yeah. He, the way he, ha- he has some pretty controversial stuff that he talks about when it comes to monogamy and his, you know, marriage and relationships. And, and when, when trolls show up in the comments of his stuff, he just agrees with them. Yeah. He's like, no, you're right. That's so great for you. And they're like, what the fuck? Well, there's no, there's they don't no, know how like, to handle yeah, it. There's no defense. Or- yeah. And he just, he, he goes, it makes me so happy, Bryce. Like he comes at it because he's a, he's done some comedy as well. Like he has a really funny mind and he'll be like, I, I just, it just makes me happy to like sit there to like turn it back. I'm like, yeah, you know what? You're right. And this troll's like, what? It's like acknowledging their bad <laughs> so comments. So annoyed that they didn't get the. What's cool is, is the, the reason that Keith is like that is because the work he's done on himself yeah. and, and the love that he has for himself, that it's almost a, a, a comedy. Yeah. Right? And uh, <laughs> he basically empowers them not to, they're, they're arguing with themselves at that yeah. point. Well, he exposes that immediately. And yeah. it's why they don't ever come back and be like, yeah. what? Like, yeah. it's brilliant. If you they think want about the it. reaction. It only happens because he's in a position to do that. He does not internalize or take personal any yeah. of that stuff. And yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. That's a that's a sign it's a good of a, learning lesson a strong, for all of us. A man that has a strong mind, but yeah, that's yeah. giving us giving ourselves grace to win is is good, and and also from the friend side, is you'll start winning a lot more when you're shopping with your friends. The more that my friends are proud of me when I win and happy for me, yeah, the the more abundance there is in the world. And it goes vice versa. Like I, I'm. There's people in this room right now that like, I love seeing them win yeah. because I've seen them at the bottom. I've seen them struggling, and and we can relate to that because I remember those days for me. And if it wasn't for a couple people in my life that believed in me, because I didn't believe in myself, I wouldn't be where I'm at. Yeah. But the problem is, is our arrogance oftentimes get in the way, and we need to we need to remember those people, and that's. That's why in, in my business in commercial real estate, you know, I, the word of mouth spreads. I, go, I, I get a pick who I want to work with. I want to go shopping with my friends because I can tell them that does not look good. That is not a good fit. That is not good for your business. That's not good for your growth. And I'm looking out for them, not just for the temporary gain for me. I'm looking out for them because I want to be a part of that legacy forever. Yeah. And it's a beautiful thing, but you also have to give you look in the mirror and say, you know, I'm proud of you, man. Like I don't treat people like they would you would want to be treated even when you're not there. Yeah. And and uh I love it's it. important. I love that, man. I think that's a I think that's a I think that's a good thought to kind of 
not end on, but I want to transition into our current event segment. Okay. Because I, I think that that's – we're going to talk some mess now. Okay. <laughs> okay. What you got, producer? Con man. I like calling you con man. <laughs> that works for me. Hey, right. how's it going, guys? I just got to say I'm, I'm lucky to be in the room with both of you. Um, Put your shirt back on. That's weird, dude. <laughs> you know, whatever it takes to, to win. Yeah. <laughs> right? Um, I, I'm going to kind of pivot. the okay. uh, Just because I know you both personally, and I, I get to call you friends. Um, if you guys can start all over from scratch, go back to like 20 years old, what would you do with your life? Would it be where you're at right now, or would you pursue something completely different? I'll let you go first on that one. Oh, my goodness. I would be doing exactly what I'm doing. But what I would have done differently is I would have worked on myself earlier. If, if I had worked on myself at the age of 20 instead of 33, 34... I can only imagine the impact, more, the, more of an impact that I would be on this earth. But in that same answer, I know I'm not the person I am today if it wasn't for what I've been through. Because I have been scraped through the street a lot, and a lot of it's my own fault. Yeah. But I'm just grateful for good friends and good people. And I'm grateful for me having the courage to get up and keep fighting and keep fighting and keep fighting no matter how many times I could have given up. So that 20 year old version of you, you would have been, you'd done the same thing basically. You like where it's at. And I, I just would have wished that I worked on myself earlier okay. and given myself permission to feel everything that I feel now because it's because of how I, I am with myself is how I can yeah. protrude that energy in the world you know, it's, and I'm not for everybody. Everyone's not for me, but the one that I am, the people that I am for and the people that are for me is so powerful. It's, yeah. it's like pure love. That's an interesting question. Cause I, when I was 20, I was, I was living in Brazil. I was a Mormon missionary at the time. And a lot of the decisions that I made, I got married five weeks after my mission. Horny bastard. It's fucking stupid, dude. Um, <laughs> And I mean, I got two beautiful daughters out of it, but like that relationship has been a thorn in my side, the, my, even to this day, you know? Mm -hmm. And so if I don't, I don't know how to answer the question. It's not, it's not a reality that I could change anything, obviously, but if I could change anything, I think that I would, you know, in, in like a sense, if I could go back and talk to that kid, you know, mm -hmm. I think I would tell him, I'm like, bro, you're so much more lovable than you're giving yourself credit for. You're so much more talented than you're seeing. Yeah. Like I was, my parents were poor and of little influence. And I had a girlfriend uh, before I went on my mission who was, her family was really involved and great and everybody got good grades and they were all beautiful and, and, you know, tons of money and position in church. And like, I, I, I wanted a piece of that. And I think that was one of the things that I was attracted to about her was the idea of like just that sort of family, you know, being yeah. part of that. And the woman that I married had the appearance of that as well. Like some, this like sort of, you know, stalwart church family that had, you know, all this. And it, I, I would, I would tell that kid to, you know, give your decision some time. And I don't know where it would lead me because of there's a couple of key things that if they would have looked a little different, it would have put me on a completely different trajectory. Now, having said that, I love my life. I don't have – there's certain things – I'm, I'm not one of those idiots that's like, I don't have any regrets, man. That's bullshit. There's certain things that I'm like, you know what? I really wish I hadn't done that. Hadn't done that. But at the same time, like, I can recognize, like, I am accumulation of all my experiences and my thoughts, and I kind of like where things are now, and so I just get to be cool with that. Instead of like trying to revise it or, you know, make it something that it wasn't or wish it was different, I just be like, you know, I can, I'm going to put it down. I'm going to put it down. I, I like who I am today. I like where I'm going. I like the trajectory and what's possible. And uh, we'll see. I love that. So that's kind of love that. That's my take on that. You got to provide Kleenex here for everybody? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe just a little bit. I love bit. that. I thought that was deep. That was um, 
So next question, um, and I'll make it a little lighter this time. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, going football just started, okay. and um, Ryan, I know you have kids in in sports, and um, what are what are the kind of correlations between having your kids grow up in sports and pursue that like professional status of whatever it may be NFL, NBA. Is it, is there a correlation to business as far as having determination, hard work, hustle? Do you think it's a benefit for kids to start in sports because they can then turn it into something else outside of sports when they're older? Well, and you know what? I, that's a great question. Um, Playing sports and being athletics, you know, there's there's individual sports like golf and tennis and and certain things like that, and there's there's team sports, and uh, you know, it teaches you, it, it gives you the ability to to work hard, to work as one, to communicate, um, to be on time, to show up, to keep your your body in shape outside of of the athletics, but. You know what? Some of the most powerful business people, yes, are, are former athletes, but also some of the best businessmen are, you know, musicians. And it's because they have the creative side. And, and I think that so many times that uh, a- athletes are stereotyped as the best businessmen. I was an athlete. Um, I love sports. I know that, that from a leadership standpoint, it, it's really propelled me in the business world. But I've also understood as working on myself the last couple of years, I'm so much happier and, and I see and experience the success because of the creative side, because yeah. of my, the, the calmness that I have and the, and the confidence that I have in myself um, to navigate some of those uh, more strenuous, frustrating times where a lot of athletes will just, they get in their head, their head cases, they throw their helmet, they throw their baseball bat, they crack it right? They, they have a temper. Well, I look at some of the creative side in the world, like music and, and, you know, think about all the trials that, that those songwriters go through and they're all by themselves and how they work through it and they get creative and they, and then they throw out this masterpiece. I mean, there's, you know, artists and so many different things. So I think it's honestly what you learn from it and how you implement it. Because just because you're an athlete doesn't mean you're going to be a biz- good business guy. I know a lot of former athletes that don't do anything with their lives because they were entitled and enabled. And, you know, um, if, they didn't, if things didn't go their way, it was they gave up rather than just push through. So I think there's a creative side. But, yeah, I mean, when it comes to athletics or anything that you do, it's, it's about how you take it and run with it and apply it, implement it. I think I, I would say I, I love it when kids are involved in anything team-related, whether it's sports or music or whatnot. Mm-hmm. And I, I absolutely think that it translates to a better business career because yeah. of how it allows you to see what you do and how it relates to other people. When you are a member of a team, and whether it's football or basketball or soccer or whatever it is, even golf as an individual sport, you can be on a golf team and your performance matters. It affects yes. those around you. Yes. And when, when kids especially can see that, they can see there's a very nuanced lane of you're the man, you handle your own, you're accountable for you, especially in sports. Like, I got to mm-hmm. hit the foul shots. Yeah. I got to make sure I'm Ding up on my dude. Like, there's a certain amount of personal responsibility that I have towards the bigger picture of the team. Mm-hmm. And when you see how that plays into, it affects how you look for me I'm the same way. I was both a musician and an athlete. Mm-hmm. And I see it that, like, I learned a lot about the dynamic of interpersonal relationships because of team sports. Mm-hmm. And I think it's huge. I think that I want people to understand how teams work because it's a, it's, it's a, like I said, this lane. It's like, I know what I got to handle, but I also recognize that I have an influence on you. Yes. And you have an influence on me. Yep. If you don't D up and I got to handle, I got to, you know, I'm getting double teamed now. That's, hey, bro, knock it off, you know? And that's a very businessy thing too. It's how you know it affects how you work with business partners and clients and things. And well, and I, you step up for each other. You know, sure. you think about defense in, in basketball. If somebody gets beat, you don't let them lay it up. Yeah, that guy's got to rotate and step right. up. And then it's the next guy that has well, to it's rotate problem over. Problem solving. It's like understanding your role. 
and then modifying that as need shows yeah. like all of those are complete successful yeah. principles in business. Yeah. You're spot on. Except for like four year old soccer. Cause they're just following that thing around. Like it's, yeah. it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. What else you got, buddy? Hey, one more. Um, okay. Do you want to, uh, make up for yesterday's video and talk about a certain someone that passed away? <laughs> sure. We can do that. <laughs> kind of a redeeming video this time around. Uh, oh, I'm not redeeming anything with that bitch, right. but uh. <laughs> so ju- just uh, just to for those who didn't know, yesterday Queen Elizabeth passed away, and oh, the um, horror. oh. So, um, how do you feel about the whole situation of people idolizing celebrities? And we know that a lot of celebrities and a lot of um, famous and powerful people aren't always what they are in front of cameras. And and how do you feel about that? Well, it sucks the queen died because, you know, actually, I don't know why it matters other than it's a corrupt, it's a, it's a, it's a meaningless monarchy. Stupid. Why we give a shit about those people? It makes a bunch of pedos in that group too. Yeah. I, I, I guess the, the, the comment that I have is don't let what you do affect who you are. And a lot of times those celebrities get so entrenched with what they're doing and the fame that it changes who they are to the people that matter most. I think that that happens a lot less than we think. And, and this is kind of where I'm going with that. And this, I don't want to, you know, please forgive me for my flex here. But in, in comedy, I've been able to, like, make friendships and work with some of the biggest comedians mm-hmm. on the planet. And I've seen them in the green room, behind the scenes, as a dude as a woman, whatever, as a, as a person. And I, they're just people. Yeah. They're just people. They just have, they just did something that a lot of people like. And those people then want a cut, if you will, of what they're doing. They want to be at the shows. They want to buy the merch. They want to be in that world. And a lot of times I've, I've seen this happen firsthand with people that I know their behavior is misconstrued to mean one thing, and then this whole picture gets painted about who they really are, and the reality is nothing like it. Yeah, and they have yeah. to deal with the haters and the trolls that believe this nonsense about yeah. them when it's not even remotely true. Right. I mean, you and I both have a personal friend. It's not like Sean is a celebrity, but Sean Whalen had that deal with the FTC. He had the FTC come in. He was out of compliance for six weeks, had to pay a massive fine, had a whole big deal. And all these articles started coming out that he was ripping people off and that he was defrauding people, that he was removing claims of made in China. And he's like, he's never bought T-shirts from China. They were all from Nicaragua. Like the whole thing was spun out of control. And he even went on the record saying like, this is the reality of it. I have this video that posted here and nobody cared. Yeah. And it became a thing where it's like that right there is somebody that was close to me. I'm like, how crazy is that the people can have such a vested interest in somebody they don't know yeah for hatred or disdain or they want to watch him fall and so like with a lot of the celebrity stuff i see that as a real thing sometimes they're legit pieces of shit like but to be real for sure humanity has a spectrum you got good people and you got all the people down at the bottom that are not good and so i know that those people exist and a lot of them have fame and they've lied, and they, the reality of who they are is hidden from the public. That's a, that's a truth. Well, and as you were talking about, uh, uh, you know, Sean, I, his, his, he, he came in my mind, too, because, you know, his, his uh, you know, online persona is, is, old. is, yeah, but it's his brand. Lion's not yeah. sheep. He's the lion. He's the, he's the leader of the pack. But getting to know him as a friend, a genuine friend, he he is one of the most genuine, loving, charitable, like charitable, kind. kind, giving, you know, there for me in some of my de- deepest times, just there to embrace me and yeah. love me as a friend and cheer me on and grateful for my success. And, and uh, man, you know, when, when that FTC thing came out, I... I said I was with him that day and with him and Sachs and his team in the conference room. And I, he knew this, but I knew all it was is just an opportunity for him. Yeah. 
it was an opportunity for him. And, and the way that he handles his life and the way that he is as a person and a man, it, it, his exposure just helped him. Yeah. It didn't hurt him. Yeah. You know, it, it, it was the haters and the jealous people that were the one throwing the darts, but it was the people like he is to us behind the scenes that kept telling him, we love you. We're here for you. We know we got you, you know, yeah. keep going, keep going, keep going. And he's, he's normal. You yeah. know, he's a man's man, but he, uh, he, he is a normal human oh, that feels and loves and one leg at a time. And, uh, oh, he's been there for me so much. So yeah. Well, dude, I, 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 I like think, that comment. I think that it's kind of flip flopped in a way. It's like, when somebody gets demonized like that in the media, I automatically be like, well, what's the full story? Yeah, yeah. And inversely, when somebody's held up to be this pers- this perfect person that's flawless, I'm like, fuck that guy, dude. <laughs> like, I think he's right. full of shit. There's right. something missing. Yeah, for sure. And I'm usually proven right when it comes down to it. But We, 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 all, we all have our stories, and it's uh, uh, oftentimes we, we – and I've I've been guilty of this too. Oftentimes yeah. we just you know we want people to see our best. Be but, the highlight but, reel. But yeah. uh, exactly. But you know it's where the real connection comes in is when you can actually relate to others. Yeah, relatability is like a superpower. Yeah, yeah. it's a superpower because then that that there's a feeling. It's like a culture. What's a culture? Culture is a feeling. Friendship is a feeling, and it's so powerful in sports, business you know, life, marriages, relationships. And that's when you can be vulnerable knowing that that person loves you and, and is there to embrace you, not judge you. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. I think that's a good way to end this thing. man. Yeah. Thanks for having me, bro. Dude, Ryan Flint, where do people find you? On social media, or you can just Google me. I'm sure my contact's (laughs) out there somewhere. That's the first time I've had a podcast. You'll find me. If you want to find me, you'll find me. That's awesome. Yep. Okay, well, friends, uh, you know the drill. Uh, if, you ha- if you got anything good out of this, please share it. Uh, please subscribe to the YouTube channel. If you're willing to go leave us a rating and review on iTunes, we'd appreciate it. There is uh, a link at BrycePrescottComedy.com that takes you right to that place. We're, uh, we're trying to grow our tribe here. We think we've got something special here. We have a good laugh and talk about some important stuff. And so uh, time for uh, I'm asking you guys to stand up too. So please do that. Anyway, um, thanks again, buddy. Thank you. Thank you, man. Yeah.